4, say to wisdom, you are my sister and call insight your intimate friend. So happy Independence Day to all of you. I hope you had a great time and you have as many fingers today that you had a week ago. <laughs> There's at least one or two of you here that you know when I see you, I want to have a count because I know you do stuff, stuff that could dig, remove your fingers. Um, so way to go to be safe and I'm proud of you to come back with all your fingers because then you can play the drums, keep playing the drums. Not just because I want you to play the drums. But um, so we have a lot of people today that are out camping and, and uh, gone. Can you tell? We have a lot of church members that are out there doing fun stuff. Bless their hearts. Bless your hearts for being in the house of the Lord today. And um, I was chuckling because I, I'm grateful. Um, you, you might also recognize a young man playing the keyboard, Wes Wimberly, if you know the Wimberly clan. Um, so thanks for being here with us today, Wes. We appreciate it. And, um, you know, I, I got here and I looked at the order of service. You know, we plan in advance. We I use that term loosely. The worship team plans in advance the songs. I, I couldn't do this. And um, they didn't play one of the songs that, that, that was on the original schedule, the one right before communion. And the title of it is, We Are Hungry. And I thought, don't you think that's funny? I mean, come on, <laughs> loosen up here a little bit. You know, we are hungry. So then, okay, we'll put communion right after that one. Anyway, I don't know what happened to that song, but I think God has a sense of humor. Today, we're going to start a brand new um, four-week series that we're going to call Like a Child. And um, if this message speaks to you, or if these messages speak to you, or any of the series happen to strike something with you and you want to hear them again, or you hear something that you think that someone you know might benefit from them, you, you know that you can listen to these messages and you can download them. They're free on the church website. And I, I don't know if you know that, but we have this really long-winded web address, crossroadsfoursquare.net. But we have another one that's short, too. Crossroads.bz. We actually, that's BZ, that means Belize. Did you know that? We have an offshore, we're so sophisticated as a church. We have an offshore web address, um, crossroads.bz. Anyway, either one of those will take you to our site. The sermons are there, they're available, and they're free. And I'd love for you to be able to use those as a tool to help other people hear the messages if it's appropriate. And, and I'm going to use through this series a foundational verse every every week it's basically where we're starting and that's uh, from a story that happens in mark chapter 10 and um if you read that story there is something that goes on there that's really really important that you can kind of gloss past i think sometimes and it's and it's a truth that i believe that every one of us should incorporate into our temperament not just do it, but let it become part of who we are. And, um, and it's, it, it, if we're not careful, we'll miss it. Jesus is hanging out, and um, there were a lot of kids around him. Parents were bringing their children to Jesus, maybe because they wanted them to be healed. Um, the scriptures say, in fact, some of them just wanted him to touch them. And the disciples were kind of getting a little bit worked up about this. They're going, hey, you know, I don't know what they're doing in their minds, but they're saying, you know, get these kids out of here. This is the actual son of God. Get the kids away. This guy's way too important to have time with him. And of course, Jesus perceived what's going on there. And um, he didn't like what they were thinking and doing, how they were responding at all. In fact, that's partly why I just sat here and waited as, as we took time with Camry. She's worth it. I mean, you know how much courage it took to stand in front of you? And you can have a lot of courage back there, but by the time you get up here and then you see other people doing it and there's a microphone, you know, it's, it's, I'm proud of her. I'm proud of her. And, it, you know, we didn't want to make, make her feel bad. I wanted to, uh, her, I wanted to see us press through and get to the point where she felt like she had succeeded. And, and we have time for that for kids here. That's, that's important. 
So Jesus is seeing this, this attitude towards children among his disciples, and he gets a little bit, you know, I think he gets a little frosted. That's my, my interpretation. He seems indignant a little bit, and um, he says, hold on. You let them come here because you got to understand something. Um, and, and he says this about these kids, and here's, here's Jesus' words in verse 15. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Wow, blammo. You, you got to be like one of these little guys in your heart or you're not going anywhere. Pretty, pretty big deal. He says that we got to have a childlike faith to trust in God. So over the next four weeks, we're going to look at some different attributes of God, but we're going to try and look at them through the lens of a child. We're going to try, try to stop being quite so sophisticated. I know how sophisticated we are. We have an offshore web address. We're that sophisticated. <laughs> we're going to try and not be quite so sophisticated and see what do these attributes of God actually look like to a child? Because I think we forget. We forget sometimes to be childlike in our hearts. It's, uh, so, so today, we're going to talk about uh, the goodness of God. And the way a child would say that is, he'd say, or she'd say, my God is for me. That's how a child would say it. Next week, we're going to look at the presence of God, and we're going to say, through a child's eyes, my God is with me. The week after that, we'll talk about the grace of God. We use these big, cool words, and a child would say, my God forgives me. And then in the last week, we're going to look at wonderful things like the virgin birth. We're going to look at the power of God. The, the, the theological term would be the omnipotence of God, the all-powerful God. And a child would say, my God can do anything. And we're going to look at it through those lenses. So unless you have faith like a child, you cannot experience all that God wants you to experience. So we're going to prod that way. Today I want to talk about the goodness of God from the perspective of a child. A child would say, my God is for me. You know, if you have known, or maybe you've seen, or maybe you have a child um, and you have raised them in a you know, good, solid Christian home, or you've known one that's been raised there, or maybe you know, they've, they've been raised in a Bible-believing church, it's really common for them to be raised with this simple faith in the Lord. We teach them songs. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And the children sing it, and somehow that just, it, it's just a fact to them. It's not a lyric. It's a fact. Or... Um, Jesus loves the little children, red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. But somewhere we forget to remember we're precious. We forget to remember that we're precious. And they, they just take on this real faith, this real childlike faith. My God is good. My God loves me. My God is for me. And they own it. They just own it. And then years go by. And then maybe one day, something happens. Something happens to them, or something happens around them that they didn't want, or that they didn't expect. I mean, I've seen, you've probably seen it too, maybe it's some of you, you've seen a child who believes in the goodness of God, and right there at home, they watch their mom and their dad struggle in their marriage, and it continues to struggle. And the children pray, God, please help my mom and dad love each other. But for some reasons, it unravels and mom and dad divorce. And for that child, their life is wrecked. They see it that way. It's black and white. They, they, they look that way and they start to wonder, God, what's up with this? 
you know, if you're for me, how come this happened? Or, or you know, the child gets a little puppy and the puppy is their life or a kitty cat and does everything it's supposed to do. And they love on that little one in it. And when they come home, it greets them like they're the best thing, like, you know, Jesus in the flesh, come a calling. Your, your dog treats you that way. Your cat, you know, they treat you that way. And one day the door gets left open a little bit and out it went. And they don't understand about cars. And the dog or the cat gets killed. And the child is brokenhearted. What is the deal, God? I, I thought you were good. I thought you were for me. What happened to that poor little puppy? Or, you know, the child has a special relationship with grandma. One day grandma goes to the hospital. There's something wrong. And the child prays, you know, heal grandma. But grandma doesn't come home. And the question is, you know, their faith starts to wander, starts to wonder, where's God in this? And the longer the child grows, the more the list grows. And they wonder, if God is good, and if God is for me, why are all of these things happening? And tragically, sometimes we conclude, we go all the way over and make a conclusion. God just isn't for me. He just isn't there, or he just isn't good. And the reality is that's where some people are, maybe some of us. We can get there at times. You, you may have grown up, and you, you call yourself a Christian. You are one, but some things have happened, and now you say, down in your heart of hearts, I'm just really not too sure about this stuff sometimes. And I think for, there could be some people who are listening to these words right now in this room, or maybe... Um, when it's recorded off at some day in the future, you're really not sure where you stand on God's stuff. Is is God there? Is he is he real? Is he if he's real? Is he good? Why are these things happening to me? And as I was you know working on this series, I came across this this poem it was written and recorded by a 15 year old boy named Kyle. And when I saw this, um, I was at first well, I still am. Um, it disappointed me. It kind of is heartbreaking because you're going to hear the expression of angst and uh, and heartbreak. And but I also realized that this this poem speaks to where a lot of people live. So here's Kyle, who's age 15. God doesn't love me. You can't force me to believe that God is good. This is the one truth in life. This world is a product of chance. How can I believe that God will use my life? I know with certainty that God has left me. Never again will I say that Christ is risen from the dead. I know now more than ever in my life that man can save himself. We must realize that it's ignorant to think God answers prayers. Christians declare that without God, this world would fall into darkness. This world can and will meet my needs. It is a lie to say God has always been there for me. I now realize that no matter what I do, the truth is, he doesn't love me. How can I presume that God is for me? So now you're going, boy, you've dug yourself a good hole up there, Terry. What are you going to do with that? And I realize, you know, that was meant to encourage you. It didn't do a very good job, did it? I mean, but the truth is, don't you know people that, that that's how they believe? They're just not quite so honest and transparent about it. You know people. You do. You know people that that's their philosophy and that's where they're, they're at. And it's heartbreaking. 
so uh, we'll see where we can get with that today. I'm, I'm going to start by reading you a couple of verses that I think very clearly will show you that God is for you. But I also acknowledge that just me standing up here and reading a few Bible verses and preaching isn't going to change your mind. I don't think that my role here is to convince you of anything. I think that my role here is to teach the Word of God, and, and the Holy Spirit goes to work and does something in human hearts that flesh and blood can never accomplish. And so uh, that's kind of what I, what, what I, what, what, the direction that I plan to go today. But I'm going to show you from the scriptures today, that God is for you. And I'm going to show you that if you believe God is for you, it will transform the way you view your events in life. It'll transform, it'll transform your life. And then when you believe that God is for you, it'll make this huge difference in how you live and how you, uh, tr- how you interpret the things that are going on. So I've been praying a lot about today. I've been praying a lot about this message that God is going to do an internal work in us that God will do something in our hearts and that we'll see things through, through a different perspective. Now, I think when we, in, when we talk to other people and we develop relationships, a common question that we ask before we will put our trust in that person is we want to know some things. Uh, we want to know what are their interests. I mean, what is, what is it that motivates them? Do they have my best interests at heart? Or do they have their own agenda? Do they have some other plans? Or even sometimes is it evil? I mean, we, that's what we want to know before we'll trust somebody. And so um, I, think, I think we get to start right there with God. I think we get to say, okay, God, what's the deal with the dog? What's the deal with grandma? What's the deal with mom and dad and the divorce? And I need to know your heart towards me. I need to know why these things happen. What is your motivation about me, God? And right, I can tell you, God cuts right to the chase and starts talking about that. And I love this. And uh, in Jeremiah 29, 11, he tells us what he thinks about you and me. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, that is 180 degrees off of what culture teaches. It's 180 degrees off of what Hollywood says God is. God says, or Hollywood says that God is expecting these things and he's got a list and you better live up or else, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, if a tornado touches down and tears up your barn and kills your cow, that's called an act of God, right? I mean, why, why isn't it when it's like 82 degrees in Rochester and the birds are chirping and there's a nice breeze and why isn't that an act of God? No, it's just a nice day, right? But if a tornado touches, that's an act of God. I mean, there, our culture is biased to suggest that God is harsh, demanding, unloving, and you are here to please him and to be squashed if you don't. But that's not God. God says, I know the plans I have for you, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and to give you a hope. And I, and I believe with all of my heart that our God, our good God, has good plans for every single one of you. Every single one of you. And he wants to give you a future and a hope. I actually, you know, wake up believing. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm not Mr. Cheerful so much in the morning. I wake up and I, I kind of have to come to life like everybody else. But I actually wake up believing that my marriage is blessed because God has good plans for Terry. And that my marriage is going to be better tomorrow than it was today. And I've got a great marriage. 
I love my wife. I actually believe that I'm going to have the capability to be more generous financially in the future than I am today. Can't figure that out. I mean, I'm not going to be able to figure that out. I'm not Bill Gates. You already knew that, didn't you? I mean, but, but I believe that. I believe that the Lord has a plan to prosper me. Okay? I believe those things. And I, I mean, I, I believe that he actually has a plan that tomorrow I'm going to make a bigger, more positive contribution to life and to people around me than I am today. I just believe that about me. I believe that about you. I believe it about you. And if you're going through something hard or heartbreaking, I think God wants to say to you today, hang on to your hope here. Hang on to that hope because he's got good plans for you. He's got a good future. My God is for me. My God is for me. Everybody say that with me. My God is for me. Now, leave it up for a sec, would you, Amy? Um, I want to just take a side trail here. When I stand up and I say, hey, everybody repeat after me, I want you to know I'm not trying to brainwash you or to force you into some sort of a doctrine, um, but sometimes it's good for us to say out loud something that's true. And, um, but I want to I give you this freedom. If I say, hey, everybody say that out loud, I'm not going to you know, point you out and say, why didn't you say it out loud? What's wrong with you? you know, don't you love God? No, I'm not going to ever do that. I, I want you to be sincere. If I say, hey, say this out loud, it's, then do it if you feel like you want to. Do it with authenticity. Don't, you don't, I, I don't want anybody ever here to feel manipulated or maneuvered, okay? So um, that's all I want to say on that. So Paul, Paul asks these questions in Romans 8.31 on this topic. He says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who could be against us? I love the power of that statement. You know, if my God, who is all-powerful, is ever-present, is all-knowing, is for us, who dares or who can effectively be against us? And how do we know that God is for us? He goes on, verse 32, he says, he, meaning God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. God loves you and me so much that he gave up his son. That's a big deal. How will he not also, along with him, with Christ, graciously give us all things? Wow. When you realize that God is for you, it changes the way that you look at life. I mean, if God is for you, who can be against you? Our God has plans to prosper you and to bless you and, and to give you a future and a hope. So I want to give you three prospective changes of... Um, if you're taking notes. So the first one, when we realize God is for, for me, one, I don't hide from God, but I run to God. Unfortunately, when you don't trust God, our nature, human nature, is to run and hide, just like Adam did in the garden. I mean, you know, God said, where are you? And, and this is how Adam replied, and this is in Genesis 3.10. Adam answered, he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So the Bible says he hid himself from God because he didn't trust God's goodness. He didn't tr trust the nature of God. You know, sometimes I believe that denial from the truth is a form of hiding from God. We do that. Sometimes we use denial as really a way to hide from God. And maybe some of us are there right now where you know, we've been hiding from God. And whether you realize it or not, you've been disconnected maybe sometimes from some of the people in your life who would speak godliness to you or you're, you're not talking to God right now. 
or you're not acknowledging God somewhere in your life right now. And the reality, reality is that you've been hiding. But when you realize that he's for you, you won't hide from him, but you will run to him. And some of you maybe will make a shift today and that'll happen. I love what Proverbs 18 says, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And um, if you need to run to him today, you'll find that you will be safe when you go there. When you realize God is for you, you don't hide from him, but you run to him. The second thing is, when I realize that God is for me, I don't live for God's approval but I live from God's approval. Boy, that's an important distinction. It's really a game changer. In fact, I think Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, way before you did anything right, way before you did anything right, God, Christ died for us. Wow. He was so much for us and loved us before we deserved anything from him, and he shows his love by this this price that he paid. And you know, I think for for some of us, those of you who maybe walk around sometimes, and you're always asking these questions because you're afraid. Well, I did good now, so does God love me? I did this good thing, or man, I I shouldn't have done that. Now is God mad at me? Or I just helped this person out, so now does God love me because I've done this good thing? Or you know, I did a double take at a woman who's not, you know, she's real pretty, but she's not my wife. Now is God mad at me? Have I, you know, I really believe that when your heart really owns the truth about how precious you are to the creator of the universe, how precious you are, you'll begin to experience peace from the Lord at a level that he really wants you to have. You know, how do you set the value for something? I mean, traditionally for us, the way that you determine the value um, is by a couple of things. You, you, you can set the value based on the price that's paid for it or how difficult it is to obtain. Think that through, the price that's paid or how, how rare it is. You know, you and I, were our worth to God was established a long time ago a long time ago, before you were saved, before you were saved, the Lord thought, before I was saved, the Lord thought, you know, Terry's acting like my enemy. He doesn't love me. He's not cooperating. He's not following. I love him so much. Doesn't love those characteristics about me. But I love him so much. He's so precious to me. I gotta make a way to get this. I gotta make a way to get back in connection here with my son Terry. I'm gonna spend everything I have of worth, and that's my own son's blood, to go after and retrieve Terry. That established my value. He set that value, and when he sent his son, that demonstrated the value. I think. Sometimes we way, way, way forget to remember how precious we are before the Lord, how valuable we are. And it has nothing to do with what you're doing today. It has nothing to do the way with your performing. It has nothing to do with whether or not you cooperate with the Lord. He established that, that his, his value for you. And I, I think for those of us that are always worried about whether our performance is meeting muster with the Lord, I just want to say to you that I believe 
that the peace of God is pursuing you today. Pursuing you today. Let that just get past your intellect. Let that go in like a child. The peace of God that will go past your understanding is pursuing you. God is chasing you, wanting to give you peace today. And I'm telling you, you'll be caught. His peace will catch you. His peace will catch you. When your, fart, when your, when your heart finally owns the truth, when you realize God is for you, I know you heard what I said, didn't you? There's no sense of pretending I didn't actually say that. <laughs> when your heart finally owns that truth, you, when you realize that God is for you, there is something that changes in your perspective about the way you walk through life. And you live for, you don't live for his approval, you live from his approval. You're already approved. You don't have to prove yourself to God. You come from a place that's completely different. And you can stop always being afraid about whether God approves you because some of us are performance addicts. Some of us, you know, we have this constant tension. And when you realize that he's for you, you can stop living under that tension. You can stop living under that legalism that wants to say, if you do these things, God says, yeah, do those things, but take that word if out and remove it from, from, from the topic of whether I love you. Just remove it. Instead, you live from his a- approval. And I, I, so, so when you realize how God is for you, you won't hide from him, but you run to him. And then, of course, you will... Stop living for his approval, but live from his approval. And then number three, when you realize God is for you, you won't fear what happens to you because you know that God is working in you. When I realize God is for me, I don't fear, fear something that I don't understand that's happening to me. I understand God's working in me. Now, there are two great scriptures that speak to this. Romans eight twenty eight says this, and we know that in all things, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. We serve a God who, who is so much for us and he wants so much of the good to happen in us that he works all things about to bring our good. So you're having something bad go on in your life and all you see is the bad, yet God, who's not pushing bad into your life, but will even use that to bless you. It happens in Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. When you realize God is for you, you don't freak out when something bad happens because you realize God's working in you and it's to bring about some good according to his purposes in your life to those who love him. And that's a pretty big game changer in my mind because if you're asking yourself, why is this happening to me? God, you know, you could do some things here. It would really make my life easier. And one, way, one day you'll realize that God is doing something in you through that process, and it's something that wouldn't happen any other way. Some of the hardest times of Terry's my life, my life. You know, if I was to look back, if you could say, can you, you want to erase, just to go ahead and erase those off your calendar, Terry, I would say no, I wouldn't. Because even though I was in some in my viewpoint, some considerable amount of anguish or pain, um, there were things that were percolating there that were brewing up inside of me that, you know, I can look now and I can see that the Lord's hand was really working in my life for my good. 
You know, I'll give you an example. Here's a relatively fresh example. I, I, and I think I've talked about this some here, but when Lisa and I um, started seeing the signs that the Lord was going to cause a transition in our ministry life, you know, we had been at Living Water for, I'd been on pastoral staff up there for 25 years, and I'd been a leader in the church for, um, you know, seven or eight years before that. I'd been on the church council and doing these different things. We had a lot of relationships over 30 plus years in a church. Our children were raised there. Was that we were attached to a lot of hearts there, and these hearts were just tearing at the concept of picking up and moving. Had nothing to do with you. Had nothing to do with this community. It was it was it was where our hearts had become welded, and yet as a leader, I could see that the season was changing, and it was appropriate. The time was coming that as leaders, we needed to to move out of the way for others to come in and lead, and even actually participated in engineering that change up there. And so I did it kind of blindly. I mean, I just kind of did it because I knew it was the right thing, and I knew at some point the Lord was going to give us a pathway um, for what we were to do. But, but, I, but we actually participated in selecting and hiring the, the pastor that's taking leadership up, up there in behalf of Pastor Bert, who's stepping down. And many of you don't know what I'm talking about, but just go with the story. It'll make sense in the end. And um, so after having been there all that time, we knew that the time was coming for us to step out of leadership and leaving there. And it was anguishing, heartbreaking, because we, were, we knew that we were going to be separating from people who were our closest friends and people that we had, had ministered with. And it was really, really hard. And people who s- believed in us said, you know, we believe the Lord has, has, is calling you to pastor a church down the road here a little ways. And you need to go do that. And our answer was, well, thank you for the compliment, but we got to hear that from God. I mean, bless your hearts, but we got to hear that from God. Don't know how we're going to do that right now. We're in a lot of internal turmoil. This, our hearts are breaking right now. By the way, just because something's hard doesn't mean it's wrong or evil, right? Okay? You get that one for free. That is not even on my notes here today. So, um, so... So we said, okay, let's, let's, let's go find the Lord's voice somewhere because we, have, we get to stand on, there's a whole boatload of promises in this book. One of them is that the Lord orders the steps of the righteous, not claiming to be righteous, but believing by Jesus we are righteous and the Lord will order our steps. So we hopped in the car and one day and we were coming to Rochester to just walk around the church and listen. God, you gotta speak to us. We're here, here we are. And speak to us. And it happened to be a, the day, it was a few summers ago, and um, about three summers ago, about right about now, in fact. And I think there was nobody here that day because there was a church picnic somewhere. And we didn't know that. So we came, and, and we're crying our way you know, here. Um, not about because we're coming here, but we're just crying, going, God, we just need to hear from you. And Lisa asked the question, how will we know? How will we know that this is God? I said, well my leadership and experience and whatever the word of God t- would tell me. And I said to her, we'll know because, when we, we, because the Lord will either give us vision for this church and for this community and a love for the people, or he won't. But wherever he's called us to, he'll do those things. He'll give us a vision for where we're supposed to be. And we came, and as we walked these grounds and cried, the Lord poured vision in and poured in love and, and, uh, and, and so forth. And I, that's not the point of the sermon today. The point was that in the middle of all of that angst, in the middle of all that pain, something was going on, and the Lord, all things work together for the good, who, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And, and here's what was happening. 
In me, there was a resolve that the Lord was building in me that couldn't have been built in any other way. That resolve was about how I'm supposed to lead here. When I stand here, and when I'm in a meeting, and when I'm doing something with leaders, I mean, it was something was, the Lord was doing in Terry personally. That's a very, very personal, and I'm being very transparent with you about why I'm standing here. But that was happening in a time that I could have said, oh, God, I've served for 25 years. Are they putting me out to pasture? <laughs> right? That's how the world would look at that whole transition. But I didn't. I said, God, this hurts. But I trust you. But it hurts. And God's looking and saying, hey, tear all things, even pain, works together for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purposes. By the way, that doesn't mean people who are called to full-time ministry. Remember I said before, people, the righteous, the steps are ordered by the Lord. Well, people whose steps are ordered by the Lord and they're walking in it, they're called according to his purpose. If you are following the Lord's direction for your life, you're called according to his purpose. If you are supposed to be working in a certain position and you're married and your spouse is supposed to be doing something and you're generally moving, you are called according to his purpose. doesn't mean you stand in a pulpit. All things work together for the good. So something bad can, can cross your path. Push there not by God, by the way, but by the enemy of your soul. God will go, hey, I'm going to protect you through that. You're going to have some pain. It's not my will for you, but I'm going to certainly leverage this for your blessing. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? When you think about the kind of difficult things that you face in life that you could just work through and never have the Lord leverage for your blessing, that's no good. All things work together for good. That's such such an example that our God is for us. And I want you to understand that If God is for you, who can be against you? And there is nobody, there is nothing that can stop the purposes and the promises of God. If you're facing something right now and you don't like it, and I understand about pain, I understand that. I'm not minimizing that. But sometimes our setbacks are actually setups for what God wants to do in in us. And whatever in Terry, whatever in me today that's strong, whatever in me, whatever there is in me that's of of, of noble character, if there's anything there of me that's got faith, that's grounded in the truth of Christ, I can tell you it wasn't born in easy times. It was born more in the times of adversity. That's when those things get forged. That's when they get purified. And I hope you somehow are encouraged today that you have a good God who is for you. Now, I, I've walked with the Lord, you know, a lot of years now, and I think the longer sometimes you walk with him, the more he builds your faith. And I look back now, and I realize, you know, that God has been with me in my yesterdays. When I look back and I see those tough times, I can see he was there with me. He never abandoned me. And when I know that's true about my yesterdays, it makes it easier for me to trust him in my todays and with my tomorrows. If God is for you, who can be against you? You don't hide from him, but you run to him. You don't live for his approval, but you live from his approval. You don't worry what happens to you because you know he's working in you. So when I saw that video that I showed you before of Kyle, um, you know, I was heartbroken. But then I realized as I kept watching it, there, there was something really positive too. And I admit that there is a 
counter to what you saw the first time. So I want you to see the rest of Kyle's poem. God doesn't love me. You can't force me to believe God is good. This is the one truth in life. This world is a product of chance. How can I believe God will use my life? I know with certainty that God has left me. Never again will I say Christ has risen from the dead. I know now more than ever in my life that man can save himself. You must realize that it is ignorant to think God answers prayers. Christians declare that without God, this world would fall into darkness. This world can and will meet my needs. It is a lie to say God has always been there for me. I now realize that no matter what I do, truth is, he doesn't love me. How can I presume God is for me? Unless God changes my heart and I come to realize that God is for me, how can I presume that he doesn't love me? The truth is, no matter what I do, I now realize that God has always been there for me. It is a lie to say that this world can and will meet my needs. Without God, this world would fall into darkness. Christians declare that God answers prayers. You must realize that it's ignorant to think man can save himself. I know now, more than ever in my life, that Christ is risen from the dead. Never again will I say that God has left me. I know with certainty that God will use my life. How can I believe that this world is a product of chance? This is the one truth in life. God is good. You can't force me to believe God doesn't love me. That's better. <laughs> for I know the plans that I have for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you and to bless you, to give you a future and a hope. Lord, I want to thank you, God, that you are for us. You are for us. You love us like crazy. And we just kind of get that so mixed up sometimes. Forgive us, Lord, when we wrongly assess your loving heart towards us. God, I want to pray right now for people hearing these words who are presently in pain and they look at circumstances and they say, I'm just struggling, God. Where are you in this? First off, I ask God for, you, for your mercy there, but I also ask God for that which you're planning to accomplish to be kept safe. And sometimes, Lord, these things just come through, through uh, pain and we don't understand and we lash out, Lord. I, I pray for those of us that might be there today that there might be something of new and fresh faith a willingness to be available, Lord, to what it is you want to do. We acknowledge, Lord, that our hearts are tender in those times, and sometimes that's when they're most easily shaped by your fingers. But, Lord, I, I pray that there will no longer be a thread in us that says, you know, if God doesn't do A, B, C, and D, as I expect, then I'm just going to conclude God doesn't have a good heart. Forgive us when we do that, Lord. Help us instead, Lord, to know and to seize upon the truth that you are for us. God, I want to pray right now for any soul hearing these words who has never, ever finally concluded about their eternity that they need to be right with you. Maybe they've hidden that from you. Maybe they've hidden from that topic. I pray, Lord, for any, anyone, anyone in this room, especially, who knows that they need to get right with God, not so that they can perform, but because they've never developed the relationship that will seal their eternity. I pray, Lord, there would be something in their heart that would feel a sense, the, the sense of the drawing of your spirit like I do today. I pray, Lord, that salvation would be in our midst. 
And Lord, for those that are brokenhearted, those that need a, a healing touch today, and Lord, Lord, I'm thinking about people that were mentioned on the prayer chain earlier this morning. I ask God for you to heal. Ask for you to heal physical needs. I know of a surgery tomorrow. Lord, I pray that in tomorrow's surgery that the docs will do exactly what's needed there, no more, no less, and that infection would be held back and that healing would be at hand and that, Lord, it would be effective. Your word says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of us need a physical touch of healing, Lord. Move among us, I pray, right now and heal us. And God, for people among us in this room who need something healed in their checkbook, God, I pray that it would be a combination of faith in you, obedience to you, but also Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees our needs from heaven and provides. And Lord, for what you want to do in our hearts so that we would be childlike, we don't want to be among those that can't enter because we have to be sophisticated rather than childlike. That doesn't mean throwing away your intellect. It means accepting the truth without all of the fences that we want to put up. So I pray, Lord, that your spirit would have free reign in every one of us individually, accomplishing, Lord, your plan for us today. In Jesus' name.